So this is Mike Farley with the Poolside Perspective Podcast, and we just want to wish everybody a happy new year. Welcome to 2024. It's going to be an exciting adventure coming up, and we just look forward to helping everybody figure out what's going to work best for you in this upcoming year. One thing you can do for us is if you could write down the questions that you have and we will answer them. How's that for a deal? So all you got to do is go to the website. There's a spot for asking a question and we will address those questions in 2024 for you uh, that are coming up. Along with that, if you haven't got a chance to give us a review yet on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review goes a long ways in letting other people know about this podcast. And if you're a person that likes to write stuff, if you want to write a review, that is also wonderful. We greatly appreciate those that are coming in. We have our first guest in the studio. Wanted to welcome Trey. This is Trey Farley. We're related very closely. (laughs) Trey's worked in construction for several years and actually is a design assistant with me now in Farley Pool Designs. He's going to help us address some things here because Kevin's having a tough week this week. And so he asked if Trey could step in for him. We're going to jump in. So the question of the day was what are trends? that you see in the outdoor living and pool backyard settings for 2024. That came from Amanda from New Jersey. And so thank you, Amanda, for that question. And so there's a whole lot of things that are going on. We went to the International Pool Show in Vegas. And when we were there, we saw quite a few things. And so, Trey, what are some of the things you thought of, first of all, when we brought up this subject? First of all, when I'm thinking of trending topics and trending stuff in our industry, the first thing that comes to mind, at least, is going to be the kitchen. So when you think about the cabana, you think about the kitchen, you're thinking about ever since COVID, obviously, everybody wants to bring everything from inside the house out to the backyard. And the first thing that comes to my mind is the kitchen. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of cool things that are going on with kitchens. So it used to be a long time ago, I'd get asked to do a kitchen and it'd be like, I want to grill. I want a trash can. I want some storage area. We're done. Oh, no, let's upgrade it. We'll put a refrigerator in there, too. <laughs> so that was the standard kitchen. And yep. the standard kitchen is not very common anymore. We've done all kinds of things this last year. Oh, yeah. So what do you think one of the coolest things that you've seen? Definitely the style of kitchens. So I remember because I was in construction, I always saw the typical just bar in general, maybe have a place for two people or maybe more. But now you're seeing a lot more like kitchen islands are being brought out outside, which I think is awesome because obviously it's a place where you can cook, you can prep food, and then you can also have people sit there and you can use it as a dining table. So there's a lot of uses out of just kitchen islands in general, which doesn't really seem like something that might be revolutionary, but it's just another thing that you're bringing from indoors outside. So it's awesome. In that space. People want a lot of more, what do I want to say, appliances or features. And so it used to be 10-foot counter space was good enough. And so now by inputting the island, it gives us more space to incorporate more things. And one of the things that I've seen trend this year heavily is the outdoor pizza oven. Oh, yeah. It's something that, you know, prior to a year or two ago, never even did one. And so now... It's on most of the large projects, that's something that people are really trying to incorporate. 
or uh, other particular items that you've seen outdoor in the kitchen area? I think I've got a whole list of them, but you well, know. just on the pizza oven, it's crazy. At the show, gosh, when we were in Vegas, they have preset pizza ovens now, like stainless steel, just like a grill, but pizza ovens. And it's not like you have to do a brick and mortar, but you could veneer it. So it's crazy how that's it's come far really quickly. Yeah, it used to be you did this old-fashioned, basically, kiln that you cooked the pizza in, and you had this big, heavy stone that yeah. you heated up and everything. And Like Trey saying, there's all kinds of built-in units, stainless steel-type situation that you can go in and set that up, and so it's really cool. So one of the other things that I've seen that's really changed a lot is the outdoor griddle. It used to be we didn't even put one in, and now... You've got all kinds of griddles that are being installed. The Evo is one that's really popular. Oh, yeah. It's a nice, big, round unit you can get on and cook on. And some people, they're going out there and they're cooking breakfast and pancakes and eggs and bacon. And then they move on over and set the grill up and cook lunch and dinner. And, you know, you can just stay outside all the time and cook and eat. And it sounds like a pretty good thing. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Evo. I recently just got my own griddle for an apartment. It's a lot smaller. It's not an Evo or anything, but I'm a big fan of the griddle in general. Then you can also do like hibachi, and so you're not just cooking pancakes and eggs and bacon on there. You can do a lot. It's very versatile. It's you, awesome. You can go beyond breakfast. Yes, you can. Even though breakfast food is my favorite, you could do a lot more than just that. And yeah. you could do that in the pizza oven, too. You could use it as a real oven just outside. Right. So okay. some people going back... To the old days, the original pizza oven that I saw that was most cost-effective was the big green egg. Oh, okay. So people would cook their pizzas in the green egg. And so, cool. you know, it's a very diverse because you can cook from 200, you know, basically about 800 degrees. You can find just about anything you can cook. But just like you said, the, the outdoor ovens aren't just for pizza. They can be used for a lot of other things as well. In those kitchens, you mentioned the island. One of the things that I see that's heavily been trending is the lighting that's taking place in that space. Yes. So it used to be I'd build a kitchen, we'd put a structure over it, we'd have eight can lights in it, put a ceiling fan in the middle, and we were done. We were good. Have you seen some other things this last year? Yeah. When we were visiting a job, it was really cool seeing the island. It had LED strips on the bottom that were just accents that lit up at night to help set the mood pretty much. But they were also in sync with the pool lights and stuff that was around the raised beam. So the lighting systems are a very key feature and there's such a range. Lighting is probably the one of the things that I don't I know the least about. Just being in different rooms, you see so many fancy different lights and it's just a very good way to express an artistic style with it being subtle. Right. So. so as Trey said, the strip lighting that's doing the accents under counters, that's yep. something that's being incorporated more and more with walkway lights, step lights, under retaining walls, the edges of those, the accent lighting for a walkway path. That's something that's becoming a more and more popular situation that people really want to incorporate the real clean lines where you don't see a fixture. You've got the light that's coming out, but you can't see where it's coming from because it's notched underneath the counters and caps of walls and things like that. So that's a really cool thing. And the lighting aspect also, I see more and more with, you mentioned the cabana and the outdoor kitchen, that we're doing a lot more collaboration with people. And so we're doing a lot of work with interior designers. 
the interior designers are bringing some really cool fixtures to play into the outdoor spaces. Like I said, in the past, it was eight can lights and a ceiling fan. I've got clients that are putting chandeliers and cabana areas now, which is really spectacular from a, a look standpoint. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful piece. So the other thing is their pendant lighting is becoming more popular to accent over tables and counters and things like that. If you're not working with somebody that has the skills to do those type of lighting, you may want to collaborate with an interior designer and they can help you make the space more or that indoor and outdoor transition becomes even less noticeable when it comes to the lighting aspect of it. So one thing also, we send out a survey to our people that we try to get some endpoint because different perspectives on poolside perspective here. And so Moses came back. He always gives me really good input. He said that what he's seeing more and more of is people want to control the environment in those spaces. And so where in the past we did a lot of screens and it was mainly for, oh, maybe I need shade or maybe I've got bugs or something like that. But there's a lot of people that are like, we just want to shut the walls down so we can heat and cool the space and control that environment a little bit more. That's a really neat aspect when we have 108 or when we've got 32. Yeah, in a couple of months, it's going to be very key with those space heaters just mounted up in the roof. Those heaters, you can get portable units to bring into a space. And then if you've got the capability to shut the sides, that's really cool. Especially if you've got here, the winds that come out of the north and the northwest, if you can block those, that's really helpful to keep a space warmer. And then if you have the heaters, some of them have to be built in. And if you go to with a built-in heater, there's two different types. You have electric and you have a gas heater. The problem with the electric heaters is they require a lot of amperage. And a lot of times that's not a, a piece of equipment that can easily be done. But if you're in the construction phase and you can use a gas heater, that works out really well. Or you can bring, a, you mentioned a portable unit in is really helpful as well. So dropping those screens down to enclose that environment. The other thing is I have not done it yet, but I have had people explore putting air conditioning into an outdoor cabana and then be able to drop the screens. The reason that the last one didn't do it is because they wanted the vaulted ceiling. They didn't want the flat ceiling and to put the air condition duct thing in It'd stick out a little bit <laughs> you know they didn't want the industrial look like with the ducks going just yep. up to there floating in the ceiling they wanted a real clean look they chose not to do that but some of the other things that are being developed in outdoor cabanas is just to come in with more tech to control the lighting that's in that space as well as sound is becoming more and more incorporated into the outdoor environment from an audio standpoint also, one thing you were talking about the roof. So a big thing with cabanas when they don't have the inside of the roofs lit up, I think they're missing so much. So that, that's a big thing for lighting as well. It's very simple, but it's easily missed. So that's one thing that's very trendy. So are you talking about lights up in the ceiling? Or? When you point the lights to the ceiling so that it lights up that space entirely. So at nighttime, it's not just a dark shadowed area. So what? Trey's talking about is you have a vaulted ceiling, which would be like with a gable or hip roof. Yep. And 
the lights are around the perimeter shining down, but up in that vaulted space, it's just dark space. So if you can come in and put some lights that shine up into that space, that makes the space feel much more open and inviting. When I do that, I always put them on two different switches so I can have the down lights on one and then have the up lights on the other. So you can create whatever mood and lighting situation that you want in the space. At nighttime, when you're looking out to your cabana, it's also more aesthetically pleasing. Like you can appreciate the architecture more because it just looks a little cooler. Yeah. Lighting is so key in that aspect that you can come in and do all kinds of highlights and focal points and play up key elements because the rest of it can just disappear in the dark. And so it makes your garden and your outdoor space seem much more inviting and you get to see all the cool features if there's light that's on those. One of the things that was mentioned before here on the podcast was just to have some lighting. And when you have lights, you don't want to just plunk lights in just randomly. You want to think about what they're going to light up and where the light source is coming from. And the ideal situation is to hide it. So it's not something that you notice right away. Another thing that I think is very interesting that's trending is modular furniture. So furniture that's easily moved around, it's adaptable, it's versatile. So there's even stuff that can be like a sofa and then you can turn it into a dining area. It's very versatile and it helps you take advantage of the space that you have. So those smaller backyards, if you want to have a living room outside or a dining room area outside, you can do both. I didn't really notice those often when I was in construction, but when I've been in the design side, I've seen and noticed those a lot more often popping up. It's very subtle, but it's a good thing. There's even tables that you can do talking about diversity of space that can be expanded yep. and you can have a table that just sits comfortably two to four people that could be expanded out to have a dinner for 10 people on Christmas day. A lot of places that's something that people really enjoy having family gatherings outside and having diversity with modular furniture or tables that have some flexibility to them is really helpful. Also storage space, bench seats that you can put storage in, stuff like that. That's also key when you have those big family events. You can hide away the puzzles for grandma or something. <laughs> she always wants one in our New Year's activities. Oh, yeah. Talking about furniture, one of the things that's come up a lot is what the furniture is made out of. That's something that's really key with a lot of people and in going into 2024 is they want to think of materials that are, are sustainable furniture or things that were made from you know, like a recycled plastic, something that has some eco-friendly situation and the fact that we've recycled something. And a lot of the furniture is recycled from milk jugs and stuff like that. There's several brands that have some really cool looking stuff, but that also is very environmentally friendly. And so that's something that people look at. And one other note that I had in the furniture category, there seems to be some changing of shapes and stuff like that with some furniture. And we saw some just the other day in a presentation that it was much more sculptural and the fact that it more flowing would be the word. Yeah, it's interesting. That particular example was a very like kidney bean shaped. And I thought it was ironic because the kidney bean shape of a pool killed free forms almost. But the free form artistic sculptures definitely seem to be coming in. 
especially with the furniture that replicates that as well. And it also, it's like you can have all this nice furniture around and then you can have a fire pit that's curvy and free form and it's not just a fire pit anymore it's actually a, a art piece it's a very trendy thing that seems to be coming around we saw some cool examples of that one of the things that we're trying to do also is on the instagram page that we have is show examples in our posts of what's being discussed during the week when it comes time for this episode we're going to have some examples of that in the instagram posts we'll also have some of those that we'll try to highlight on the YouTube channel. So some people didn't know, I was talking to someone just recently, we have now released the video side of the podcast. And you get to see our lovely faces if you want to watch on YouTube, how it goes. And we're trying to provide more information and illustrations of all these things we're describing and talking about. So it's just another resource for you guys to check out. The lighting, I forgot to talk about couple of things when we were talking about lighting. Lighting's huge. I'd say that's Kevin mentioned he couldn't be here. He said the two things you should talk about is you definitely need to talk about lighting and you need to talk about materials. And so lighting, there's more and more features that are available, gas lanterns and tiki torches and different lights in that aspect, as well as there was one even that so the lighting system that you can put in an umbrella which was cool that we could light up the space. I don't know, but the umbrella idea, I haven't heard of that, but that's actually really cool because it's like a like a lampshade almost. Yeah. So you wouldn't think about it, but it's pretty cool. Under an umbrella at night, it's usually pretty dark. So this gives you a nice pocket of light in a space. So that was one thing also to kind of look at that was pretty cool. So is there any particular trends that you've seen with swimming pools? With swimming pools, a big thing is going to be the tanning ledge. The tanning ledge has always been a very highly used area from young kids playing in the water, can't swim, but they want to get their feet wet, the grandma watching the kids. But multiple tanning ledges also, I think Moses mentioned that to you, that's been trending as well, specifically with the pool I've been seeing trending more. So I have a project that I'm working on right now, and they're like, in this space, we want chairs. So we want to put lounge chairs in this area. But in this space over here, we want it to focus more on the gushers and the water features. And we want multiple ones of those. Plus, we want to hang out respectively in those areas. And what it's going to is pools are definitely trending smaller. And they're places that it's not so much about swimming or not so much about even playing basketball and volleyball and diving and those things, but people just want to hang out in the space. And so what the pool is, is the pool becomes sometimes a key view from inside the house. It's a water feature and we just want to hang out in the space. Like you said, the tanning ledge. The other thing that I've had a lot of people request is they actually want the tanning ledge in the spa. And so they want just a real shallow area that the kids, again, can play seasonally in that space and we can heat it up. And then a lot of people just like to sit there in the warm water because sometimes, you know, it's a sunny day and it's 80 degrees and it's December. The pool water's too cold, but if we can heat the spa up, then it's a great place to hang out. Yeah, that way you don't have to heat up the whole pool, just use the tanning ledge. That's very smart. And then also there's people that might want to hang out with whoever's in the spa and start having a conversation, but 
it's getting a little too hot for them. They got to get up and that's, rest a little bit. That's me. <laughs> I don't want to be cooked like a lobster. The rest of my family likes to be. We are lobsters. <laughs> cooked to perfection. Yep. Yeah. That's a really cool thing that's becoming more and more popular of a space. It was funny. I had people years ago that are like, after the baby grows up, what will we ever use the tanning ledge for? And I said, I promise you, you'll still use it. Oh yeah. And if you have pets, especially dogs, they're going to use it as well. <laughs> oh yeah. That's quite true. Our dogs use our tanning ledge at a, a very high level and then running, we have to go dry them off with their rack of towels that hang by the door as well. So if you ever visit, don't go to the wrong rack of towels. You'll end up with hair all over you. Well, if we're talking about the pool still, a big thing that's trending that I just see with the meetings that we go through from the day to day is going to be bigger format tile. The one by one was very popular and it still is, but the bigger tile, the less grout joints, it seems like more people are requesting that. There's some manufacturers that are making tile now in pieces that are six by two. Sometimes you can get a piece of tile that's on a two by four. 24 inches by 48 inches, and then we'll take that tile and rip it into four pieces. So you can have a section of tile that's four feet long with minimal grout joints in it. That is becoming really popular. Although with this other thing, it's not going to work as well as if you have really long pieces of tile, because some people are saying, I don't want just a rectangle anymore. So they're wanting something with a little bit more variety and shape to it. And I'm seeing more people request combinations of some architectural curves and straight lines. Some places are just wanting architectural curves. So very geometric still in nature. They're wanting to get away from just the rectangle. So you're talking about the shape of the pool? Talking about the shape of the pool, okay. which then yeah, yeah, yeah. the tile, if you have some curves, you're not going to be able to lay a piece of four foot long tile and a curved pool. It doesn't bend real well. Although there is some tile that's out there, some porcelain that exists that is... It'll curve to a certain point. To a certain point. There is some cool stuff in that aspect. Yeah, the smaller pool, along with that, you've got people that are wanting spools, which mm -hmm. works as a pool and a spa combined. And some people are looking for small spaces, and they just call it a plunge pool. But that's becoming a real oh, yeah. popular. And so what they're also doing is pool that's over your head isn't quite as popular anymore either. They're making that pool shower and adding some really cool features to it as well. Were you in the class with acrylic windows? Yes, I was. One of the things that, you know, you were mentioning is you're seeing more acrylic. Yeah. So I saw a acrylic spa for the first time when we went on one of these trips. And since then I've seen six in the span of a couple months, which is ridiculous. Because before that, I've never seen one before. I've seen obviously the aquarium style, the wall, and the dam wall for a negative edge or something like that, or just like a little window for a spa. But the all acrylic spas, they look really good. Now, what Trey's talking about when he says all acrylic, the acrylic's only going down to a certain extent. Yes. Okay. Now, the other thing that you've got to realize with this acrylic spa is this spa is more about a visual feature than it is jets. Yeah, because if you put jets, in, well, you can't. But if you did, you'd be so ugly. So <laughs> the challenge is if you put acrylic in and it goes down 18 to 24 inches, that's where your jets are that are hitting you in the back. So... This becomes something that's a little bit of a challenge. Now, 
I know that the one that we saw there in Huntington Beach out in California, they came in with a an air blower and at the floor of the spa. So there was a lot of bubbles and things like that came up in the spa, but they didn't have any jets in it. No, and it did look really good still with just it coming from the floor. And it would probably feel pretty good too on your feet, legs, and that type of situation with the air. But it's something that can definitely create a very artistic looking space and the fact that this water is elevated up above the pool and it's spilling over and as you light it the light is lighting this column up of floating water so it's a really cool artistic expression it's just there's a balance always of function and aesthetics and so you have to come up with what's the right balance for you in this whole thing But we don't want to tell you that we can do an acrylic spa and then realize, oh, I didn't get any jets. Nobody told me that part. But the acrylic window is definitely becoming more of a popular feature. Where I see it a lot goes along with another thing that's become really popular, which is that sunken fire pit. So you have a sunken fire pit. You walk down into the fire pit. So now you're sitting at the same level as the people that are sitting in the pool. And one of those walls in that sunken fire pit, you may have a bench on three sides, but the fourth side, a lot of times people have a piece of acrylic. So you can sit there and look right into the water. You're in the pool underwater. You can see the fire. So it's a cool view going both ways. That acrylic window is becoming much more of a feature that's seen. It's not as rare as it used to be. It's popping up a lot. Right. Another thing, since you mentioned the fire pit, also the more simplistic style, like the big metal features where you have like fire tables, Mm -hmm. those are getting popular too, where it's a bigger platform. So it's not just so you can put your feet up, you can actually have dinner there and have the fire there. So that's pretty popular. You see that type of feature a lot in restaurants. That's a common situation. And everything that happens in a backyard, usually somebody sees it at a resort or something like that, or a restaurant, and they're like, hey, I want to incorporate that into my living space so I can enjoy that all the time. So it's a really cool aspect with the fire that's being incorporated. So we're doing, as we talked about multiple tanning ledges, we're doing more and more multiple fire pits. And it's interesting because a lot of times people are like, I want a spot to gather up by the house. I think that's really cool. But then I want a spot also that's off the beaten track, that's way out in my yard. If we're on a lake, we want it by the edge of the lake. We want it so we can go out and we feel more connected to nature and stuff like that. But then sometimes I want to walk out of my master bedroom, hop in the spa, and then go sit by the fire pit that's right there. And so some people are wanting two. And sometimes one's more also a visual effect that maybe we're still going to light it up, but we're not going to go out there and hang out by it. That used to be, you never did two fire pits in a yard, but now that's not uncommon. Yeah, it used to be two fire bowls for accent lighting, and now it's, I want two locations. Spacing is a big thing, so just activity spaces and spaces in general having multiple purposes. So one thing that I read about trends is, With the economy the way it is, there's a lot of families that are having multi-generational families in one home to a higher percentage than it used to be because people aren't moving out because of the economy. And so one of the things that people are looking for is 
a private space that they can go hang out. And that space may be in the backyard. And it used to be we just, the outdoor kitchen was the only thing we put in the backyard. But now people are wanting an outdoor living area, or we may want a yoga studio, or we may want to incorporate a second office out in the backyard area so we can enjoy the outdoor space a lot. So people are creating these other areas that we're going to enjoy a lot, which I mentioned way back, the interior design, one of their things for 2024 is biophilic design, which is incorporating nature into the home. In fact, me and you did an article on water shapes about that. Yep. The cool thing that I, I was stating there is we have everything that they want in biophilic design in the backyard. We just need a space to enjoy it in. And so these additional spaces that people are creating are spaces that they can enjoy the nature and the water and the sounds and all the things that go with that. Yeah. Another thing tying to biophilic is bringing something from the inside out. I know biophilic is pretty much bringing the outside and putting it indoors, but flipping that on its head. And for us who deal with the exteriors, bringing the gyms outside. And you mentioned yoga studios and the light went in my head. And you mentioned cold plunges earlier, cold plunges and saunas, a very healthy lifestyle is very trendy nowadays. Oh, wellness. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Wellness in general. So those aspects of incorporating that in your design has probably happened a lot more often than it used to in years past, especially after COVID. Right. So one of the things I mentioned, Kevin asked me what I saw at the show, which had really ramped up. And the previous year I went and saw there was, I was looking for them because I had two clients that wanted them. I was looking for cold plunges and there were four at the whole show. And what I told Kevin is there was probably 40 at this show. There were booths that had three and four different styles of cold plunges in one booth. Yeah, I've never seen something like that before. And then there's like 20 saunas also. I was like, this is crazy. And they had different shapes. It was awesome, the variety of options you have that are out there. Because incorporating this into it and keeping it stylish and trendy and is very key when you come to the design, but it's there. So it's awesome time to do this. The wellness space is certainly something. And the outdoor gym, yes, or some people want the building that they can enclose it, but then have doors that will open up to two sides to the outdoors so they can have that space that's great for six months out of the year to have those uh, doors open and enjoy it. Oh, yeah, and the bifold windows as well, big windows in general, creating more viewpoints. It's really biophilic on its head, just bringing what's outside back to the inside and just making that bridge of inside and outside kind of making the line a little blurred. What happened with COVID is people realized that they really wanted to reconnect with nature. And that's why the pool industry and the outdoor living industry was such a boom. Although, quite honestly, dealing with a lot of large-scale projects right now, that hasn't slowed down at all. In fact, the demands for more and more creative spaces is something that people want. Although sometimes it just goes back to something simple. People like to swing. Oh, yeah. People love to swing. And also... Just swings in general. What are they called? Bed swings? Day beds. Yeah, those are very popular. I know we haven't worked them into a design lately, but they get requested almost two out of every three 
meetings we have with the uh, wife. So it's interesting. Swings in general are really cool to add to on to a, a design. I know we had a couple worked up in a design the other day, but swings in general, it's just an activity that you can have. And you also can appreciate your backyard in general and bring in something that's inside a day bed or bed and just put it on a swing. Two things that I see that have become popular and I don't see them getting any less popular is they talked about swings as a whole, but you've got the egg chair. We've got a project that we're incorporating those on here just recently. And I've seen some really cool designs incorporated with those. And then the, just a simple gold old school, you can have a hammock. Oh yeah. You know, and that's a really nice place to enjoy some space in the backyard. Yeah. And then also activities are really good. So was it Bocce ball is real popular. Also, pickleball is real popular. So creating these spaces, obviously, you might not be doing the design work on that, but keeping that in mind when you're doing the design in general, maybe they want an area where they could play pool under a roof or something like that. Those are pretty trendy as well. Oh, we got after it with the outdoor uh, ping pong table down there in Houston. Yeah. There's some pretty cool ones of that. So yeah, any games that you can incorporate and an outside space has become really popular. There's a lot of families that are trying to create space that their whole family can come and play and enjoy the space. And so want lots of different activities to accommodate lots of different people and gatherings. One thing I want to touch on is turf in general. I know it's been around for a while, but it is crazy how much we use it nowadays. And also, Bringing the outdoor furniture onto the turf seems like homeowners are okay with now. Used to just turf area because they didn't want to maintain the grass. But now it's, oh, I can turf this area instead of using a deck material or put turf on a plat like a metal structure platform or put it by a, a sunken fire pit. Like it's very versatile and I don't know, turf has been around for a while, but it seems like it just keeps on rising in popularity. I explain to people, it's like a carpet, hardly be. Anybody gets down on the deck, a pool deck or a patio and plays, but people get down on turf and play all the time. They'll lay down on it. Like it's a rug yeah. or something it, comfier it, than a rug. Yeah. So it's a space that when people first said they wanted to do it, I was like, really, really, you want to do that in your backyard? And I, I just didn't see the purpose of it. And now that I actually have some turf in my backyard and when people come over, that's where everybody goes and sits was down on the turf in the backyard. So it's really popular with the humans and the four-legged friends (laughs) that we have as well. They love to hang out there and enjoy the space. It's so popular that people are installing sprinkler systems to cool it. Because I know it can get hot on turf, so people install those. And also with four-legged creatures that are man's best friend, people will put sprinkler systems on there to help clean it off. And probably easier to maintain than just, in general, just dirt and grass. Yes. So one of the things that leads to also is people are looking for pavement that can absorb water. Storm water runoff is becoming a big thing in cities. And so what they're trying to do is have permeable surfaces that will allow the moisture to go into the ground instead of just running off and going to the sewer. And so turf falls into that category. We just finished a project not too long ago in that particular city in University Park would only allow a certain percentage. And when we got the home plans and looked at it, 
they were already maxed out before we even started. Yeah, it's crazy. And so the only way we were able to pull it off is we actually remodeled the back porch and made it a little bit smaller. And then we incorporated the pool. Now, then we incorporated turf for all the patio areas. And so we were able to create that environment, which met the city code. Now, some cities have certain percentages that they'll allow with turf. There's other permeable paving materials that have gravel underneath it that allow moisture to go through, which is really nice. But that's something that people are really looking at was with the environment is trying to save water and capture water where it just doesn't run off because we've paved everything. So that's a cool feature that turf leads into as well. And turf leads into synthetic boxwood. So if you just talk about a screen wall in general, if I want a privacy and I put up a wall, I'd prefer to put some synthetic turf on there because then I don't have to maintain it. The grass or vines or whatever you would have on there instead aren't going to die whatever months of the year. So it's still going to look aesthetically pleasing. So it's an option that I love. So what Trey's talking about is about Four years ago, we had a client that was like, that slide is hideous. You need to hide that slide and you need to figure out how to do it. And we went through all kinds of scenarios to come up with a solution. And then someone mentioned there's synthetic materials and we looked at a bunch of stuff and we got samples of some stuff and it was hideous looking. And then we found one and it was like, this looks pretty good. So we ordered it and it came and it was like, this looks just like a clipped boxwood. So we built that structure and put the boxwood on that, which we called it the big green wall because it looked like just a manicured wall. In fact, I had a client that literally walked up to it and was like, I thought you guys just finished this project a few months ago. And she literally touched the stuff, didn't realize until she touched it that it was a synthetic product. Now, what I've seen since then is for green walls, there are all kinds of artificial plants that look remarkably real that instead of just having a bare wall now you go inside your house there's not a bare wall inside your house you have decorations on your walls so the space outside what we're looking at in more and more environments is we're treating it just like you do inside we're going to put up outdoor art and we may come in and do a green wall where there's a vegetation so the one that we just talked about in a university park, they require a fence in between the driveway that has a opening gate on it and the pool area. So if someone comes into drives into the garage and the gate opens, someone can't just walk into the pool area and they require it six feet tall. So we used actually the synthetic boxwood on that fence. So as you're in the backyard, it looks like it's just a green hedge running along there. There can be some really cool aesthetic solutions, but in the same vein, there's also just artwork that you can see that is designed to be outside. So you can put artwork on the walls to create a more pleasing situation. We're doing more and more projects where we're coming in and staining and painting walls, different colors than just brown. The fence is just not stained brown anymore. We can do different things there. So you can treat those spaces of blending the interior and the exterior and the solutions. You're looking at the same type of solutions. Yeah. One thing uh, I want to touch on. So 
the garden trends going into, you know, obviously that's vertical garden. Obviously it's synthetic and everything, but you could have vines on it. But also edible gardens are very trendy nowadays and wildlife landscaping, pretty much planting flowers that attract birds or attract bees. You could have a little table next to that where your family could dine or have a cup of coffee or some wine and enjoy the nature. It helps blend that aspect of from your house to your backyard. I would highly suggest the plants that attract butterflies and yes. birds be next to my table, but I probably want to, ones that attract the bees, I want to <laughs> put them in somewhere else in the yard. Yeah, way over there. But it is a very good thing, and it is something that is really popular now is to plant plants that, a pollination garden, where you can come in and create a space for those type of things. And gardens as a whole as Trey mentioned, is something that's really trending. People are trying to incorporate what they described. Oh, it was instead of ornamentals, it's edimentals. So it's an ornamental plant that you can eat it or part of it. Like sage is one that's very commonly used here. And the, the flowers are edible. There's a lot of different plants that fall into those categories. Some things that are popular too is people are planting fruit trees. People are planting vineyards, so to create more food that they're producing at their home so they can control the quality that they receive for their family. Yeah, something else that helps bridge that gap between the home and outside is using the same deck material, bringing that from the inside and bringing it outside. Or if you can't, finding something that you can or that's similar. I love that style. It makes it more simplistic, more minimalistic. It just flows better in my opinion. Just blurs those lines like yep. you were talking about earlier from one space to another. Oh yeah. There's a couple of things that we wanted to continue on when we're talking about our trends for 2024. You mentioned one, we touched on the sunken fire pit. Yeah. So the sunken fire pit, we touched on that. And also there is a sunken cabana. You've done this so many times with the swim up bar. I love that that aesthetic, just having, and even when you have both the sunken fire pit and the sunken cabana, the terracing is really cool, but you talk more about it because you've done, you've done that so many times. So. so what's cool about a swim up bar, in my opinion, is if you have a swim up bar and you can sit and talk to people in the dry space and you're eye to eye each other, I'm sitting in the water. You're sitting out in the dry space because you don't want to get in the pool. Actually, we probably ought to reverse it. I'd be in the dry space talking <laughs> to you that's in the swim-up bar. So that's where I prefer things to be. But at space, it's great if you're more eye-to-eye, -eye, which means ideally you want to sink that space down somewhere between 36 inches range. 30 inches would be the height of a table. So yep. if I'm sitting in a normal chair, in the cabana, you're sitting at the bar stool, we're eye to eye. Okay. If we're sitting at 36 inches, that's like a typical counter that works as well. I can stand there and talk to you or a 42 inch. I can stand there and talk to you as well. And so we can have bar stools or low stools or chairs in the dry space to correspond with the swim up bar. So that's how it works best with a swim-up bar. If you go up to a swim-up bar and you're looking at somebody's toenails because they're standing on a deck and there's no sunken area there, you're going to sit there once and that's the last time you're going to sit there 
because it's not a pleasant place to sit at. So you have to recess for maximum bar use that people enjoy to hang out there. You want to have recessed seating on the other side. So that's a key. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a covered space, although a lot of times it is. That's a kitchen or a cabana area and it's covered. But you could have that bar in association with a sunken fire pit. So it would work the same exact way because in the sunken fire pit, they're sitting there, they're dry, they're interacting with you. And some of fire pits get used more in the daytime when nobody's sitting around the fire than they do at night when they're sitting around the fire. It gets used all the time during the daytime. So regardless of season, people like to sit there and hang out. Regardless of the time of day, people like to sit there and hang out. Now, certain times of the year, there's a fire in there and that's great too, but it's not just used for that. People have found that works a lot. And another thing that's shown up in our trends is a lot of people want cushions now. So they want to put outdoor cushions and pillows in the space. Oh yeah. It can bring a real pop of color into a space as Mm -hmm. well, instead of just keeping everything real neutral in appearance. So that's something that people really enjoy. And could you also tie in to the home and have the same cushions or accent cushions from inside and bring those outside as well? If they're water safe, it's a good idea. Yeah, there's certain companies that deal with cushions that you can work with and get you a really cool product in that type of situation. So the Sunken Bar is, yes, extremely popular and it's going to continue in 2024. As long as you don't make them look at your toes, I don't think that's going to gain any popularity. No. Another thing that's trendy, which I think is great because you can bring the home movie theater outside. So if you have a screen wall or a wall that doesn't have many windows or doors on it, you could bring a projector outside, create that space for family to enjoy movies or watch the game. Maybe you want to be in the spa and it's really hard to see the TV from your covered patio all the way over there bring a projector and just watch the game on the side of your house. Yeah, that would be really cool. There's certain times of the year, football season, baseball season are really popular times to hang out by the pool and some basketball too. So anyway, you can certainly enjoy to watch different games. One of the things that we forgot to cover earlier was the word of the day, the poolside perspective vocabulary lesson. There was something that we talked about earlier and people don't understand what we were talking about. And it's become more and more of an important detail with cities and it's called permeable paving. What do you know about permeable paving? So what I know about it, because I learned from this city actually we're in, Dallas, began construction, seeing a lot of jobs here or there that they wanted to add pavers and they couldn't. So the best next option would be to add turf, like you were talking about earlier. So I know that pretty much it's having a solution where water and moisture can move through whatever the deck material, quote-unquote deck material. It won't flood anything. So that's what I know about it. So it's become a bigger and bigger issue with cities' drainage and because of the roof material that's being put on a square footage of a lot is a lot higher than... In fact, a lot of places are tearing down old houses and then they're coming in and building new places. And so because there's so much roofing material and then concrete for the driveways and everything like that, there's no place for the moisture to go in. So it runs off. And so you have cities that have certain fixed storm drain systems. Now they're putting denser 
housing units in as well as more roofing material and less material for the water to run into the ground and there's flooding issues. And so a permeable paving is something that the water can, like Trey said, penetrate. So there's sometimes is solutions where, you know, like we had to have a certain amount of permeable paving on a job. And what we ended up doing was taking their circular driveway out. So we just removed that part. Then they were able to get the percentage that they needed in the backyard. Or I've had people take driveways out and put gravel back in their place. So there's paving that allows moisture through. Turf, as Trey mentioned, is one. Decomposed granites, another. Gravel paving areas are another. There's also some real advantages when you're working in real close proximity with trees is trees' roots need a certain amount of air and moisture. And so sometimes we are limited in the space to work with. And so the solution is to use permeable paving in those areas. And so it still allows the air and moisture to the tree. So the tree is going to live and we can still have a paved space, do a lot of decomposed granite patios under oak trees. That's something you can see in Tuscany all the time. Or there's people that, again, use turf as large areas of paving today. And the furniture all hang out there and people have a very comfortable living space because it allows the moisture to go into the ground. It can be sometimes a code issue. It can sometimes be a tree issue, but permeable paving is something that's highly advantageous to use in your space. Yeah. Under the tree is huge. That's a huge solution because there's several families that will have one or two big trees in their backyard and they want the whole design to revolve around those trees and having a solution where you're not going to affect the tree at all is awesome. Another thing that I was thinking about, but I didn't mention earlier, a trendy thing that I've seen more popular and actually used one is not even really necessary to be there, but it's just trendy in general or just popular is the floating step pads in the water. Typically they're in the sun bench area, but it gives you that contrast of the water and the deck and also provides a way you can pull the deck material into that space, into the water and kind of help blend the line between the deck and the pool. So sometimes it's for total aesthetic reasons. Yep. Sometimes it's also to separate a space where you may have a tanning ledge where you've got small children that are playing and they'll do floating steps across almost as a security level between them and the rest of the pool area so it doesn't just drop off. Sometimes it's to access a spa that's in the middle of a pool. So when you create a really cool environment that you're sitting in the spa, you're surrounded by water, but you still want to keep your feet from getting really cold in the dead of winter instead of walking through a tanning ledge. But some people are like, hey, I'm going to get wet anyway. I don't need floating steps. And other people are like, no, that's a critical thing for me to get into the spa. So those are a couple of cool reasons to have that type of feature. And maybe that one job is the rip them out job uh, that we visited and had the spa. It really could have used it because it didn't have a step to get to it. So you had to jump three feet to get to the spa. It was crazy. They used to, I think, have a bridge or something, but it was interesting. We're blowing that one up and starting over. Yeah. Okay. Something that's been trending lately, it's projected to keep on going into 2024 and probably more often after that because we were more, the color schemes that was very popular lately were gray tones, white tones, dark colors, very simple but now warmer colors are coming into the fold. 
that's something to think about when you're making selections and stuff like that also. So one of the things Kevin mentioned was materials. And yep. materials, the big thing is a lot of times with color changes according to year. In fact, there's a color of the year every year. I didn't realize until I took a class on color theory. Yeah, Pantone. Yeah, so there's different ones every single year. So you check out the year 2024 colors. Warm colors are coming back into play. And so it used to be no one would want to do anything that was a cream color. And so that's becoming more of a popular situation as well. But definitely materials change, colors change. That's something that happens almost all the time. And so we'll look forward to seeing what new things we're going to be doing with that. You were talking about a structural. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Well, not common, but becoming more of a popular request. So cantilever structures are very popular. Like when I'm scrolling through Instagram and looking for trending audio, something that usually lines up with that and it's something structural, it's cantilevered structures. So that might be cabana, a pergola, a fire pit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are cool things that it's just. I think the trick of the eye of how does that work? And that's a really cool effect is something that people enjoy seeing is just unique spaces. And those all create unique spaces to hang out in. Because the whole thing is everybody wants to go into the backyard, whether it's 2023, 2024, 2025, and they want to go, wow, that's cool. Those are the type of things that create that type of reaction from a structural standpoint. Special engineering required to make all those things work, but we can help you certainly do that. Yeah. The illusion goes very far in this industry. Just having the eye be like, how does that actually work? Yes. We like that with everything from perimeter overflow pools, vanishing edge spas, cantilevered structures. Yeah. We like fooling people's eyes. Oh yeah. Cantilevers, it opens up a little bit more space too, so... Yeah. The other thing is I've got a situation that working with the city right now is where's the structure end to begin? Because the post's not there. Proximity to water was a situation. So I'm like, what if it's cantilevered? They were all like, I don't know how to address that. I'm like, let's just roll with it. So anyway, other things to think about. We've got uh, a lot of things to think about in this episode. So hopefully... There's a lot of things for you to consider what would be amazing and wow in your backyard to enjoy. And hopefully this is a lot of information that can spur you on to create your backyard paradise. And we look forward to talking to you about more things in the upcoming year. Again, questions that you would like answered or subjects that you would like addressed, please contact us on our website, which is poolsideperspectivespodcast.com. We'll talk to you all later. and. Y'all take care. Have a great one. This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner. And hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you. And that's the end goal here. And we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.